Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Ion Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy Vet Phil Briggs, reporting for ConnectingVets.com, and uh, doing a follow-up now on a story we did a couple weeks ago about the PBS four-part series called American Veteran. And it's got a companion podcast to it called American Veteran Unforgettable Stories. I've listened to a few of these episodes already, and let me just tell you, they are moving uh, the trailer opens up with the sounds of a veteran describing what it was like to be a boat crewman on D-Day at a fateful moment when machine gun fire was just riddling the boat. When we got close to the beach, there was one machine gun. He took a liking to my boat, and he was peppering the ramp. And the ramp is about two or three inches steel, so we could absorb the, the peppering and the sniper fire. It was very loud from the fire, and the coxswain screamed, drop the ramp, and I never heard him. Then he screamed again, drop the ramp, and I, I froze. First episode starts with just an incredible story about an ambush in Nazaria, Iraq, in the initial days of our invasion, and told first person. Next thing you know, Sergeant Riley says, they have Miller. We're going to have to surrender. I'm like, oh, oh, my God, oh, my God. In 2003, the convoy that Army Specialist Shoshana Johnson was in got trapped by Iraqi forces. And here to share more with us about it is Phil Cly, Marine Corps veteran. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say 2014 National Book Award winner uh, for his collection of short stories called Redeployment, actually listed in top 10 best books of 2014 by the New York Times. And uh, that's amazing because, uh, you know, at his core, he's a Marine. And uh, <laughs> I mean that, you know, yeah. Marines writing books. <laughs> you, Phil, I wouldn't you, have guessed it. And not a coloring book. <laughs> that's awesome, brother. Welcome to the show, Phil. 
Thank you very much. Great to be on. Thanks. Yeah, always good to have another Phil on, as we discussed earlier. Always have good luck meeting guys named Phil. We're usually pretty cool guys. But all kidding aside, man, you've done some great work. Before we get into this companion podcast to the four-part series on PBS called American Veteran, and before we get into how these stories are crafted, uh, share with me a little bit about your background. Because before you were a writer, you were a Marine. Served in the Marine Corps, uh, joined in 2005 just out of college and served four years in the Marines, went to Iraq as a public affairs officer. I was there from January, 2007 to February, 2008. So during the surge, uh, if you remember that Mm -hmm. kind of interesting time to be in Anbar province, uh, kind of a lot of changes went down and, you know, I came back and began writing about war, trying to think my way through, you know, not just what I had experienced, but (laughs) trying to get a handle on, uh, on what other people I knew had gone through, uh, what America looks like when you get back, and um, you know what the wars that we fight uh, say about us as a country. Dinfo's trained killer, very cool. Public affairs <laughs> yes, officer. Yes. I went to the same <laughs> yes, school. Uh, you were a PAO, uh, the officer type there. So um, that had to be awkward trying to manage the narrative of a fully kinetic war while it's going on in a digital age, because you're trying to give updates that show what's really going on. But at the same time, all on bar province, I mean, there was hell to pay that era. You were talking surge one of places like Fallujah, that era, that era when you were serving was uh, places like Ramadi. You had to try to filter that narrative of what was going on on the ground so that the news media and the greater world could see kind of what was happening. How uncomfortable was that at times? Maybe this, this happens more at, at uh, higher levels. It wasn't that uncomfortable for me. There wasn't really that much shaping that went on to be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, uh, if there was a, a journalist who we felt was sort of outright deceitful, um, you know, we probably wouldn't work with them, but, you know, I brought in a lot of journalists through the area well, I knew when they came in that they weren't necessarily interested in the narrative that, um, you know, that maybe general general officers uh, would have would have preferred. And as far as what my combat correspondents did, you know, a lot of what they were focusing on was the stories of the individual units there and what they were doing. Uh, and, and a lot of the audience for that were the families back home who, frankly, you know, when their you know, sons and daughters are at war, can't really get enough information about what they're doing, how it feels, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what it looks like. Uh, and so it was, it was sort of a, a smaller task than trying to, to shape the narrative of, of 2007 in Ambar province, uh, which wasn't really something that I had the capability to do. But as a, as a job, it was really fascinating because I ended up, you know, spending time with a lot of different types of Marines, soldiers, sometimes, you know, even sailors, you know, that we tried to keep them out of sight. Uh, only do radio interviews, you know, for sailors. Uh, <laughs> and the ball <laughs> busting continues. <laughs> um, um, and that's one of the things, I mean, and, and to relate this to the podcast, what, one of the things that I saw was this whole world of kind of human experience and this very complex thing called the U.S. military, where only a small portion of it uh, is maybe digested or understood, and usually in terms of how it relates to narratives about you know whether we're winning or losing. And this series that that I have had the privilege of working on, it, it comes from this PBS podcast where they did these interviews with a lot of veterans, right? 
uh, and this is like a many year process of finding people and interviewing them in, in, in real depth and folks from, you know, World War II to the present day. But once they had all this, they realized, you know, we have a lot of truly exceptional people and really interesting people who've told us their whole life story. And so the idea was to have a podcast where we would have, you know, instead of have this kind of, you know, collected, dis collective discussion of various different aspects of, of military life, have a podcast where every episode was one veteran telling their whole story from, from, from beginning to end. And with Shoshana Johnson, who, who you mentioned, she's the first female black POW in American military history, right? And so she tells that story. You know, some people might have heard of her, but to me, it's not just that the the story of what happened to her in Iraq is is fascinating and incredibly compelling. And I think you could probably testify that it is. But also one of the things that's really interesting about her, she's got a great sense of humor as she's telling her story too. Uh, she's hilarious. Um, is what happens when she comes home, right? How she works through her experience and does so in relationship to, you know, things that are family and she comes from a military family, what they've gone through and what she pushes her family to do. Um, and she comes to sort of understand things about how the experiences affected her and how it's probably affecting other members of the family. Incredible story. And each episode is going to be just a different veteran, right? And they kind of, they kind of run the gamut of all different types of people, um, different political persuasions, backgrounds, wars, jobs that they did. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's something else. I want to just drill a little bit deeper into some cliff note highlights of this particular episode. You said she comes from a military family with a great sense of humor. You can hear it in her voice that she is the daughter of a DI. Her dad is yeah. Bill Instructor <laughs> Johnson. One, two, Drill Sergeant John. Dad is. He's a Latino. He's machismo Latino man. <laughs> and then you put that into a military man. So there was a lot of structure in our household. Uh, she didn't join to be like a fighter. Explain a little bit about why she joined the military. She initially was going to be a cook, right? Or that's, that's, that's what she got brought in, brought in to be. And she wanted to uh, go through culinary school. Um, and, you know, let's say her... Her early twenties were, you know, maybe maybe needed some more direction. <laughs> yeah. uh, we might say. What's funny too is, you know, she ends up going into the military, and then and then she gets put on the same base with her sister, uh, who outranks her. <laughs> uh, she was Lieutenant Johnson. I was PFC Johnson, and I'm the older sister. Which which happened to me as well with my my older brother, who is also in the Marine Corps. Yeah, so you just sort of. Avoid being in the same place at the same time, I guess. And we'll be back with more from Marine Corps veteran Phil Clyde about the new podcast series, American Veteran, Unforgettable Stories, when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs, reporting for ConnectingVets.com. Now, today we're talking about a stunning new podcast series called American Veteran Unforgettable Stories. And it's a companion podcast to the TV series American Veteran that's been airing on Tuesday nights on PBS. This series takes a deep dive into individual veterans' lives and tells some of the most powerful stories from World War II until today. 
and will join my conversation with Marine Corps vet and author Phil Cly, where we talked about the first episode and the amazing story of Army veteran and one-time POW, Shoshana Johnson. As a cook, then, she's she's assigned to a regiment. She's assigned to a maintenance battalion there. And um, whereas you think of cooks, you think kind of away from the action. You think oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's support duties, logistical support duties. Yep. And they're, they, they don't have the bang, bang, bang firefight stories that we hear. But she quickly finds herself um, on or rather in a convoy and going to an area where they report while they're en route, trucks on the road. It is not secure. And she quickly gets into how she ends up under the vehicle. Unpack that little bit of the story for me, because it it is literally crazy that three minutes or four minutes into her life story, you're hearing about how she became the first black American woman POW ever in history. No, I, I mean, you know, they, they get ambushed. They get, they're getting into firefight. People are injured. People are, end up getting killed uh, as a result of this. Um, there's a sergeant who she credits with, you know, saving her life, uh, basically during that, uh, during that initial time. And then ultimately they have to surrender. She's dragged from under the truck and they start beating her. Uh, and then as she you know, describes it, like her, her helmet falls off and they see braids. And then they step back like it's a, what the hell? And I guess they realize I'm a female and they open up my flak vest and I'm wearing a t-shirt. So they see boobs and they're like stunned. And then I'm immediately separated. They drag me to a vehicle. They just push me in the vehicle. And they take off. But one of the things that's interesting, too, is because they they separated the men and the women. So in the early days of her captivity, she was isolated, right? Uh, And so, uh, you know, that was sort of an additional challenge for her. As you can imagine, she was injured, right? She had to uh, undergo surgery. Well, um you know, while she was in captivity. And yeah, she, she, she tells the story with, uh, with, certainly with some humor at points. Um, you know, they made her yeah. sign a release. That's the part I found so funny because she's like telling it just like it is. She's like, and they handed me this release and it's not like, I'm not going to sign it. I need surgery. I've been shot in the leg, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but she's like, do I even have a choice? I mean, you know, I could right. get an infection and die or y'all could do this thing. And uh, the other part I found kind of uh, just really interesting as I've interviewed veterans like yourself over the years, um, I've talked to Andy Stump before, uh, former SEAL team member. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, was on the famed SEAL team that rescued Jessica Lynch from the hospital. But Iraqis knew, I think the Iraqi military knew that they were up against a machine that they could not compete with. So they started moving the prisoners or they started moving war casualties from the hospital, which they knew our military was going to come in and overrun. They started moving them to private homes. And she describes in one part, the part about where she had like a relatively nice meal at someone's home one night while she's recuperating from her initial surgery and thought for sure the reason they're being so nice is because they were going to kill her the next day. And to hear her yeah. tell that story and not be overcome with emotion. I mean, she's just telling it matter of factly, like, oh, well, this yeah. happened one time to me. I mean, I just loved how y'all piece that together. And her her attitude and her personality just shines through that whole episode. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's, you know, it's 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 quite something to have somebody who um, is telling you a story like that while not being... You know, I think if that had happened to me, 
I would be telling it as like, can you believe this? But it's, it's, it's a, you know, that's just not her, that's not her personality. I remember the night before we, they had given us this this really cool meal with soda and chocolate. And I was thinking it's, it's the last meal. They're going to kill us. This is your last, you know, and that was stuck in my head. They're going to kill us. You know, they gave us this before they shoot us tomorrow. But nope, the Marines came to the rescue. They were approached, we're told, by at least one Iraqi, carrying the message that there were some Iraqi soldiers. Mm, Very cool. Well, I won't spoil too much more of it because I gave away the first third of episode one. (laughs) But, uh, you know, as it tracks her story from, you know, after all that to uh, talking to her family and then eventually coming home, it just follows that character arc, like you said, that starts with just who you were before the military while you were in. And then that fascinating chapter that we all relate to, you and I both as veterans. Sure of what it's like when it's over. What are a couple other cool cliff note excerpts you can tell me about from this series, which from my understanding is now in that's like second week, but we'll drop a new episode every week up through December. So we have, I mean, we have some, (laughs) as you would expect, you know, we have some truly fascinating, uh, fascinating veterans uh, who, you know, as as I said, are just the product of, you know, years of, uh, of these filmmakers going through and finding the most interesting people they could find to talk to. Um, you know, uh, we have one, you know, uh, guy who was in a World War II bomber crew who couldn't stop volunteering for missions because he found it so exciting, uh, who also explained that, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up uh, in Long Island, uh, you know, he really liked the military because it was cosmopolitan and because he discovered gay life there. Um, uh, we've got a Vietnam era nurse, right? And the challenges of that particular line of work. Um, we have one of the first women to receive combat training, uh, offensive combat training uh, in the military after sort of restrictions started to be loosened. Uh, though not fully lifted on on training women for combat, right? As the military sort of slowly grew to understand that given the types of wars that we were fighting, there were plenty of places where there were no front lines and women could fight, certainly could hold a rifle and oftentimes can shoot much better than men. Um, we have a veteran who was, um, who ended up becoming a Black Lives Matter um, activist. We have, a veteran who was an extremely lethal sniper in Afghanistan. We have, I mean, just a full range of, of, of truly incredible people. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm incredibly excited. Uh, we have, we have a former black POW from World War One, uh, World War Two, uh, telling his story, right? Who describes how it was in a POW camp in Germany that was the first time that he uh, experienced integrated life in the military. The details that are found in this, I think, are as a res- are a result, a direct result of painstakingly putting together the stories, of taking the time to do more. Explain a little bit about how Amanda Pollock and her team um, were able to create something in this American veteran series and this companion podcast that is unlike anything else. They didn't just decide to do this because the advertising director said we should do something the second week in November around Veterans Day. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, so it begins with them putting a tremendous amount of time into finding people and talking to them and with a very sort of open, open approach where I think the challenge of the subject is that veterans are so diverse, right? They're as diverse as America, right? There are all different types of life experiences and political persuasions, right? So if you're trying to get a handle on the veteran experience, it it's it's so broad, it can actually be very difficult to get your hands around, right? And yet, there are a lot of sort of commonalities and common touch points, right? From, you know, your first exposure to military training. And we've got, you know, folks for whom it was like hell and they talk about it with sort of more hatred and loathing of the, that initial boot camp uh, experience to let them, than they do to some of their experiences later in war uh, versus, you know, people who, you know, grew up with a, uh, a military father and they showed up at boot camp and they were like, this is not so bad. Like, you know, my dad went through this in the fifties and he said they hit him, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you know, to, you know, going to war, to the experience of coming home and trying to sort of uh, forge a new sense of self and community um, in the wake of that experience, right. Which plays out in very different ways. Right. And, and, and for a lot of these people, uh, that experience was, was, was a strength for them. Bill Cly, former Dinfos trained killer, public affairs officer, <laughs> combat veteran, Marine, and uh, and uh, author, uh, acclaimed author. Just appreciate you lending your talents to this. Again, what's Thank its full so title if I'm searching for it on Apple Podcasts or something like that? It's American Veteran Unforgettable Stories. Awesome, man. Great to talk to you, Phil. Look forward to more. All right. Thank you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.